Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Friday, May 6th, 2022, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we've got a whole lot to get to, starting with a pretty fun, pretty exciting Orioles win from Thursday night as they hit five solo home runs and beat the Twins 5-3 to three to split the four-game series. We'll get to the five things you need to know from that game. Then we'll talk about the newest Oriole as the O's claimed left-hander Logan Allen off waivers from the Guardians. We'll talk about the career so far for the 24-year-old lefty, what role he could play with the Orioles, and you know how long he could stick with Baltimore while going over what he's done throughout his career. And then we'll take a look ahead to the weekend for the O's as the Royals come to town in Camden Yards to finish up this 10-game homestand, and we'll preview the three-game series between Baltimore and Kansas City. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So we'll get to all thing Orioles here on this episode in just a second, starting with a big win on Thursday night for the O's. But first, just want to thank all of you for making Locked On Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. Locked on Orioles is free and available on all podcast listening platforms. If you listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever it may be, we thank you. And if you could leave a five-star rating and a review on any of those apps, it really, really helps out a lot. And of course, we're also here on YouTube five days a week, Monday through Friday, bringing you new episodes. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe on the YouTube page here. That really, really helps out the pod altogether. And even if you're not a, a watcher of YouTube, if you could just head over to the Locked On Orioles YouTube page, click that red subscribe button. Doesn't change your life. No annoying notifications, no emails, nothing. All it does is help me out and help me bring you even better content moving forward here on this pod. But again, just want to thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. And for your first listen today, we start with an Orioles victory as the O's split the four-game series with the Minnesota Twins, winning the final game of the series 5-3 to on Thursday night. And I'm going to get you the five things you need to know from the Orioles' 5-3 victory over the Twins that uh, got the O's to 10-16 and on the season. Orioles now in the double digits in the win column. And the first thing you need to know is that for the Orioles, the home run ball... Looks like it's finally back for the O's. The O's score five runs on 11 hits on Thursday night. Five solo home runs for the Orioles. It was Ryan Mountcastle in the second inning on a ball that was a 92-mile-per-hour fastball just (laughs) down the chute. And uh, Mountcastle destroyed that thing into dead center field. 108 miles per hour off the bat. And uh, that thing was crushed 414 feet. Then you had Cedric Mullins with a solo home run in the third inning, 104 miles per hour off the bat, 399 feet into right center field for a homer. Then Jorge Mateo got in on the party. He hit a solo homer in the fifth to tie the game at three. Jorge Mateo, 103 miles per hour off the bat, 412 feet into the bullpen area 
in left center field. And then you had the two big ones in the eighth inning with the game tied at three. Started with Austin Hayes just demolishing a baseball over the big wall in left field in the eighth inning, 107 miles per hour off the bat, 409 feet to left. And then Ryan Mountcastle followed him up as him and Hayes went back to back. Mountcastle went oppo for his second home run of the night and his fourth of the season, 104 miles per hour off the bat, 381 feet to right center field. And these balls were all crushed and uh, all had an expected batting average of 840 or better. That'll tell you they were hit pretty hard. And uh, the home runs are back. The Orioles had 13 home runs as a team in their first 25 games this season. And then in game 26, they hit five home runs on their way to victory. Pretty fun to see the ball fly out of Camden Yards. And Austin Hayes becomes the second hitter to conquer the new big wall in left field. Second thing you need to know from this one is that uh, Spencer Watkins was very okay for the Orioles in his start on Thursday night. Not good or great, not bad. He was very okay for the Orioles. His final line, four and two-thirds innings, three runs on seven hits. He struck out two, he walked two, he allowed a home run. And through 76 pitches, his ERA raised to 3.22 on the season. Watkins allowed seven hard-hit balls in the game. And, of course, really, you know, you look at the start, and yes, seven hits over four and two-thirds, not great. And, and what you'll remember from this start is probably the home run he gave up in the fifth inning. With the Orioles leading 2-1, to one, Byron Buxton just hit an absolute monstrous two-run homer to give the Twins a 3-2 to two lead. He hit it off of Watkins in the fifth inning. I mean, that thing was demolished. 113 miles per hour off the bat. Traveled 452 feet above the Orioles' bullpen. And above the Twins' bullpen, out there in left center field, almost up onto the concourse. I mean, that thing was mashed. It was not a great pitch from Watkins. A fastball middle-middle at 91 miles an hour, and Buxton just murdered that pitch for a two-run homer. But other than that, Watkins was okay. I mean, you know, he got into the trouble in the third inning when he loaded the bases, and the Orioles had that really weird double play to help him out of that inning, allowing just one in the third. So at the end of the day, yeah, stuff wasn't great. Line wasn't great. Just an, just an okay, a so-so start from Spencer Watkins. But you'll take it. And the Orioles won the game. You know, he got six whiffs. Four of them were on his cutter, which he threw the most in this game. He actually threw 28 cutters, which was his most used pitch. 23 four-seamers, 15 sliders, five change-ups, and five curveballs for the 76 pitches from Watkins. And, you know, 28 cutters, four whiffs on it. Uh, he had a lot of called strikes on that pitch. It was sitting right around 87, uh, you know, to play off his fastball, which sat about 91 on the night. So, you know, not not a bad pitch. He he seems to like that cutter. He's thrown it a lot this season, but it was interesting to see him go to it as his number one pitch. Of course, through that sweeper as well on the night. What well, wasn't great for him in this one, but shout out to the cutter. It, it was his one good pitch, and it helped him at least get through four and two thirds in this one for Spencer Watkins. Well, Spencer Watkins was just okay. The third thing you need to know is that Jorge Lopez, once again, was absolutely filthy 
in this game. Now, we talked about Jorge Lopez on yesterday's episode. That's Thursday's episode. Make sure to go back and check that one out. Justin Choi of Fangraphs joined the pod to talk about his article he wrote about the Oriole bullpen a couple weeks ago and really highlighted Jorge Lopez's success in that article. We we dove deep into the numbers on why Lopez has been so much better this year as he has been moved full-time into the bullpen as the Oriole closer, but he was lights out in this one on Thursday. Entered the game with two outs in the top of the eighth. Nobody on in a 3-3 game. Gave up a just a slow ground ball that somehow found its way into center for a single. Then got a pop-up to end the inning. And then comes back out the top of the ninth after the O's. Got the Hayes and Mountcastle home runs bottom eight to give the O's the 5-3 lead. So he actually doesn't get the save. He ends up getting the win in this game. And in that ninth inning, just... Filthy, and the last pitch of the game he threw to struck out to strike out Byron Buxton to end the game. I mean, a 99 mile per hour sinker that was up and in that just ran in on the hands. Buxton tried to check his swing, but he went too far around. One of the hottest hitters in baseball right now, who had just hit that mammoth home run earlier in the game. Buxton drove in all three Twins runs in this one, but could not hold up on just a nasty pitch from Jorge Lopez, who it now has a 1.32 ERA on the season for the Orioles. I mean, it was it was ridiculous. That pitch was ridiculous. What he was throwing was ridiculous. He did only get two whiffs, but he threw a lot of sinkers. They averaged 98, and that max pitch, that last one, was 99 miles an hour. His hardest pitch was his final one. Curveball looked pretty good, too. He's dropping that thing in there for a strike. I just love watching Jorge Lopez pitch right now, but... He wasn't the only one successful out of the bullpen. Fourth thing you need to know is that the bullpen continues its bullpen magic after they threw five scoreless innings in the win on Wednesday night. The bullpen comes right back to it and throws four and a third scoreless innings for the pen on Thursday night to lead to the victory. Started with Felix Bautista, who relieved Spencer Watkins in the fifth inning. He threw an inning and a third, no runs, no hits, struck out two and walked one, uh, got some good whiffs on that uh, that split change from Felix Bautista. Fastball got three whiffs as well. Stuff was looking really good, and he did hit 100. He averaged 98.8 miles per hour on the fastball. His year-long average 97.3, so that was up a mile per hour and a half, and he maxed out at 100. Hit 100.2 miles per hour on the radar gun with a fastball, according to StatCast. The good stuff from Felix Bautista on Thursday night. And then he was followed up by help from some other guys. Brian Baker, two-thirds of an inning, one walk, no strikeouts, no runs, no hits. Paul Fry, an inning scoreless, one hit, no walks, no strikeouts, threw six pitches to get three outs. I'll take that from Paul Fry. And then, of course, Jorge Lopez getting the final four outs. Bullpen back to being nails once again. And then the fifth and final thing you need to know is simply go watch on the Orioles' Twitter account the play that Austin Hayes made because he started to figure out you know how that new wall is configured more and more out in left field and the throw he made to end the fourth inning to gun down Trevor Larnick at the plate on a Gary Sanchez two-out double. Larnick was at first base and the way he read that ball off the wall to pick it up, throw a one-hop beauty to the catcher Robinson Chirinos who made a great tag on Larnick to end the inning. I just love watching Austin Hayes unleash that arm whenever he can. It is fun to watch, and uh, he continued to be fun to watch 
in this game Thursday night. Unleashed that throw for the big out. Of course, hit what ended up being the game-winning homer in the eighth. Had two hits on the day. Had three hard-hit balls. Hayes hitting 287 with a team-high 815 OPS on the season. It seems to be maybe becoming the true breakout year for Austin Hayes if he can stay healthy, and that is a really, really good thing for the Orioles moving forward. But these current Orioles did a nice job bouncing back, winning the last two of this series and uh, splitting four games with the Twins. O's win at 5-3 on Thursday night and now 10-16 and on the season. But the O's are going to get some reinforcements on Friday. As I talked about how they had gotten their 40-man roster down to 39 players, you know, after all the roster cuts that teams had to make on Monday, trimming the rosters from 28 to 26, I figured the O's would make at least one waiver claim with an open 40-man spot, and they did, as the Orioles claimed left-handed pitcher Logan Allen off waivers from Cleveland. And coming up after this, we're going to go through Allen's career so far, what he brings on the mound at this time, and what the Orioles could use him for, as uh, Brandon Hyde said he will likely join the team here on Friday. But first, let's talk about Built Bar, the best protein bar out there. And it's not just because of all the advantages of Built Bar, like the 17 grams of protein, but it's because it's the best tasting protein bar on the market. It is literally like eating a candy bar. It's covered every bar, covered in 100% real chocolate, great flavors, white chocolate chunk, peanut butter brownie, mint chocolate. They got fruity flavors as well. It's just so, so good. And it's not just bars that they have. You got to try the Built Puffs. It is the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. It's a marshmallow covered in chocolate, infused with protein. You can't get much better than that. You keep thinking Built Bar can't keep doing it, and they continue to do it. So if you want to get your hands on some of the Built Bars, the Built Puffs, or any of their products, head to Built.com, and when you use the promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. And today's episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by BlueNile.com. Because Mother's Day is coming up just two days away. And whether your mom prefers a state and peace or everyday subtle elegance, BlueNile.com has fine jewelry options for every mom. You can shop high-quality classic diamond earrings, elegant tennis bracelets, or gemstone pendant necklaces at BlueNile.com. And here is what makes Blue Nile so great. If you don't know what exactly is the best piece of jewelry to get your mom, you can use the experts at Blue Nile. They have experts on hand 24-7, available via phone or chat, so you can find that memorable gift, and also you can find it at any budget. That is the great part as well. So this Mother's Day, give mom something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Locked On Orioles listeners get $50 off their purchase of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive is only good through Mother's Day. That's this Sunday. So use the code Locked On. Again, that is code Locked On for the exclusive offer. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. So the Orioles beat the Twins on Thursday to get their 10th win of the season. Fun game with five solo home runs. But they also added a pitcher on Thursday as well via a waiver claim. As they claimed, the 24-year-old left-handed pitcher Logan Allen 
off waivers from the Cleveland Guardians, and the Orioles had an open 40-man roster spot. So Logan Allen fills that spot, and the 40-man roster is once again full for the Orioles here on Thursday. Now, Brandon Hyde said before Thursday's game that uh, he thinks Logan Allen will join the Orioles on Friday, so expect you know, maybe by the time you're listening to this, a roster move being made on the Major League roster to fill up a 26-man roster spot for the left-hander Allen. But, uh, you know, he was a little bit of a surprising DFA by the Guardians. They ended up DFAing him and Bobby Bradley to cut down their roster on Monday. A couple of kind of surprising moves, but just wanted to, you know, give kind of the, the surface-level look at Logan Allen. You know, how he's done in his career, what kind of pitcher he is now, what his stuff looks like, and and what he could bring to the Orioles. So Logan Allen, you know, first of all, being with the Orioles, this is now his fourth organization since he was drafted in 2015. He was an eighth round selection by the Boston Red Sox out of high school, played at the IMG Academy, the great prep school known for all its sports down in Florida. Again, an eighth round pick by the Red Sox in 2015. He's now still just 24 years old. He'll turn 25 on May 23rd. Six foot three, 200 pound left-hander who has worked mostly as a starter in his career, but his four appearances this year for Cleveland did come out of the bullpen. Now, kind of the career background on Allen after he was drafted by Boston, he was barely a Boston Red Sox. He played in, you know, rookie ball for that 2015 season after being drafted. And then immediately that winter, in November of 2015, he was traded to the San Diego Padres in that big deal that sent Craig Kimbrell to the Boston Red Sox. And, you know, in the minor leagues, he spent time with the Padres, you know, starting in the 2016 season. In six minor league seasons, he's a pretty solid minor league numbers, 489 innings at the minor league level, a 3.77 ERA, about nine and a half Ks per nine and about three and a half walks per nine for Logan Allen. So not incredibly dominant stuff, pretty solid numbers in the minors. And, you know, he worked his way through the San Diego system and finally made his major league debut with the Padres on June 18th of 2019. It was a pretty good debut. He threw seven scoreless innings with five strikeouts for the Padres that day. And they thought, well, we've got a starting pitcher of the future. But you could argue that his major league debut, probably the best outing of Logan Allen's major league career so far. Since that dominant seven scoreless innings on his major league debut, it just has not been the same. And just a month later, he was traded at the 2019 trade deadline. After just a month in the big leagues with San Diego, he was sent to Cleveland in the three-team deal that uh, involved Trevor Bauer, involved Yasiel Puig. It was a huge deal at that 2019 deadline. And Allen ended up with Cleveland. And so he spent the last few years with the Guardians, finished out 2019 with them, pitched a little bit in the short in 2020 season, and uh, you know made 11 starts with them in 2021. Overall in his MLB career, though, that debut was good. Since then, the stats just have not been good. 30 appearances, 15 starts, 15 relief appearances in his big league career with San Diego and with Cleveland. And in 94 and two-thirds career big league innings, he has a 5.80 ERA, 6.4 Ks per nine to 3.8 walks per nine. Those are not good numbers. In 2021, he appeared in 14 games for the Guardians, 11 starts. He had a 6.26 ERA in 50 and a third innings, just about six and a half Ks per nine and three walks per nine. Again, not very good. 
And so far this season for the Guardians, he had made four appearances out of the Cleveland bullpen. In six innings, he had allowed three runs on nine hits, struck out six, walked three, and hit one batter so far this year for Cleveland. So honestly, not even his his worst stuff. It's a 4-5 ERA. You know, six innings, three runs. That's a quality start. That's what he's done over four relief appearances. But, you know, Allen's really interesting because you know, he was an eighth-round pick. He was never a top, top prospect, but he was a pretty well-regarded prospect, and he's been traded multiple times. But it just hasn't really worked out since that Major League debut. Now, you're probably wondering, you know, what does the stuff look like? Well, Logan Allen has become one of those guys recently, you know, mostly, you know, in the second half of 2021 and so far in 2022, become one of those guys that has become a slider-heavy pitcher where he's identified that his best pitch is the slider, and that's the pitch he throws the most. So these stats so far through just the six innings that he has thrown in 2022. But his slider is by far his most used pitch. He throws it about 47% of the time. It's an 81-mile-per-hour slider, and it's got pretty good numbers. Got a 32% whiff rate, opposing hitters hitting just 214 against it this year. It's got elite horizontal break, according to StatCast. It's break across the zone, you know, away from lefties and in towards righties, is like an elite rank for pitchers in Major League Baseball. So it is by far his best pitch, and that's why he throws it almost 50% of the time. Behind that, he's got a four-seam fastball, throws it about 25% of the time. It's 91 to 92. It's got a little bit of movement, but in general, just not a great pitch. And this is where things kind of unravel for Allen because he's got a really good slider. You can't take that away from him, but he just does not have another pitch, and he doesn't really have a good four-seam or a good fastball to go with it. So he ends up kind of throwing the kitchen sink at you. He's got six different pitches that he throws. It's mainly the slider, the fastball, and then the changeup. He throws the changeup about 11% of the time. It's about 86, 87. It's not a big drop-off. It's a five-mile-per-hour difference from his fastball. He does have a solid whiff rate this year. He doesn't throw it a whole lot. And then there's kind of the three other pitches he throws in. About 9% of the time, he throws this cutter. It's about 86 miles per hour. It's just kind of a harder version of his slider that doesn't break as much. It really hasn't been a super effective pitch. Then he'll throw in a sinker to go along with his four-seam fastball. Throws that about 6% of the time, a little slower at 90 miles an hour, but not really a big-time pitch for him. And then every now and then, he'll drop in a curveball. He's only thrown it about 2% of the time this year. It was right around 5% of the time last year. It's a slow curveball with, with a high spin rate. Comes in about 75 miles an hour. It's just something else that he can go to. But really, he's kind of a slider fastball changeup guy and those other three pitches are just for him to kind of throw stuff at you because he hasn't found anything beyond the slider that really works for him now in terms of what kind of pitcher he is he's not like a super established ground ball versus fly ball guy I mean 45.1 percent ground ball rate for him about a 25 percent chase rate not anything you know crazy but Really, the thing for Allen is, you know, he's got this good slider and he had some solid stuff in the minors, but it hasn't translated to the big leagues. And according to StatCast and their hard hit percentages and their barrel percentages, he was one of the hardest hit pitchers in all of Major League Baseball during the 2021 season with Cleveland. That's not great. And that's why, despite him being a big part of some trades, including coming to Cleveland and their return for Bauer, they ended up just DFAing him for a roster shrinkage move on Monday. And, you know, in terms of where he fits in with the Orioles, we'll talk about this more coming up next week, especially if he does pitch over the weekend for the Orioles, is, 
he becomes a long man option who's pretty expendable, to be honest. And, you know, as I'm recording this here late, you know, just about 10.40 p.m. Eastern time on Thursday night, you know, again, Brandon Hyde said he expects him to be activated to the roster on Friday. We'll see. But if you're looking for, you know, who loses their spot, I mean, this is probably a situation where Travis Lakins finally loses his spot. Again, Mike Bauman is not eligible until Monday to come back to the Major League roster. That'll be 10 days from when he was optioned to AAA on Friday. So Logan Allen is basically maybe even just a placeholder for until whenever they bring Mike Bauman back to the big leagues. And because Travis Lakins has been so bad, Allen's just a long relief option. You get another lefty in the bullpen in Allen. He can eat some innings. That's all I got for you. I mean, there's a chance that it's not Lakins that loses the spot. And... I mean, I don't know. I mean, Lakins is is by far the easiest choice. Maybe a Brian Baker gets sent down or something. You know, his stuff hasn't looked as great recently. I mean, that's that's kind of my best bet. But I would assume if if it's Allen coming up, I mean, they're not sending a hitter down. They already have only 12 hitters, only a three-man bench. They're not getting rid of another one. So this probably spells the end for Lakins. So in that sense, it's a good move to bring in Allen. Again, the stuff isn't great. The numbers haven't been good, but... You know, the very least, the thing I want to hit home on is that he's got a good slider still. Now, none of his other pitches are really good, but he's got one good pitch. Remember, the Orioles are building a bullpen right now of all these guys who do one thing really well. You know, we talked about this with Justin Choi on yesterday's episode. You got Joey Crable with the really good changeup. You got CNL Perez with that high spin fastball to get lefties. You've got Paul Fry with that deceptive slider that he can throw. You got Brian Baker with that cutter he likes to throw. You got Felix Bautista with that super high spin rate and the big over the top delivery. You got all these different pieces in this Oriole bullpen mix and match together that all do one thing really well. The thing Allen does really well is throw a slider. And maybe, just maybe, if the Orioles put him in a fully bullpen role and basically tell him to throw 75% sliders. Maybe they see something that they can make that work where he becomes a guy who's basically throwing one pitch. Maybe he's tossing in a fastball or a changeup here and there, but it's like three quarters at least, that big sweeping slider that has really good movement and has been the only pitch that's profiled well for him throughout his entire major league career. If they do that, maybe they see something. If they don't, this might just kind of be a placeholder to have a, a better long reliever than Lakins for a couple of weeks until they can get some some better reinforcements. But uh, yeah, it's a new player. He's still only 24, so plenty of time for Allen to figure it out as well. And uh, we will see what the O's can do with Logan Allen. And if he is activated on Friday here, I'm I'm pretty certain he'll pitch over the weekend. So we'll get a uh, a good look at him against the Kansas City Royals because. That's who comes into Baltimore this weekend. Three games between the O's and the Royals. And we are going to preview that three-game set at Camden Yards that finishes up the 10-game homestand in just a second. But first, let's talk about betonline.net. Because the Orioles play in a, a, a little a little better baseball right now. You know, they, they've, they've taken two out of four from the Twins. They won two in a row. They just won a series against the Red Sox. I think they could legitimately win a series against the Kansas City Royals. I mean, the Royals have not played good baseball, so maybe you want to you know, throw a little wager on the Orioles winning this series and, and not losing any of their three series on the homestand. You can do that at betonline.net. You can also take a look at odds for the NBA playoffs, for the Stanley Cup playoffs. Tough loss for the Caps on Thursday night, but they'll bounce back. 
It's also, you can get sports news. You can get injury news. You can get scores on betonline.net. You can listen to podcasts just like this one. It's really the one-stop shop for all your sports wagering action. And you can play your favorite Vegas casino games right from your couch. So it's a pretty solid option as well. So you can do it all, everything for the sports better in you at betonline.net, where the game starts. So this weekend at Camden Yards, wrapping up a 10-game homestand. It is the Orioles and the Royals getting set for a three-game series. Now, before you ask, no, we are not going to see Adley Rutschman or D.L. Hall or Grayson Rodriguez this weekend. But it is still exciting that the Orioles did call up D.L. Hall and Adley Rutschman to AAA Norfolk this weekend weekend. D.L. Hall pitched to Adley on Thursday. Hall's stuff looked really, really good. Adley got a couple more hits, and each of them only spent three days in Bowie, and now they're up in Norfolk. Now, my prediction is still, you know, they spend, you know, a couple weeks in Norfolk, and I'm still predicting a May 20th Major League debut for Adley Rutschman, but it's nice to see that he's in AAA, but he's not going to jump to the big leagues in a couple of days, so it's going to have to wait until the next homestand for Adley to come up. But this homestand ends with Orioles and Royals. And it starts on Friday night. Coming up tonight, 7.05 p.m. Eastern time start. Listen, the Royals, they've been worse than the Orioles this year. Royals come in, they haven't been good. They are 8-15 and 15 on the season. Royals did have an off day on Thursday, hopefully trying to pull things together. But coming off a, a really tough series at home against the Cardinals. Their last time out, they lost 10-0 at home on Wednesday. But the Friday night game starts with Jordan Lyles on the hill for the Orioles. The veteran right-hander makes his sixth start in a Baltimore uniform. So far through his first five, a 4-5-0 ERA, 26 innings, 21 strikeouts for Lyles. But his last start, pretty solid against Boston, not good, I would say, because he gave up seven hits and he was in trouble every inning, but he got through six innings, allowed just one run on seven hits, six Ks, and three walks. Look at that a solid start from Lyles. We'll see if he can piggyback on that here tonight. And opposing him on the Kansas City side is Carlos Hernandez, the 25-year-old right-hander who will make his fifth start of the year for Kansas City. Through his first four starts, 18 innings, a 6.00 ERA, and just eight strikeouts. He has really struggled this year. It was not a good time for him. His last start, that was on April 30th against the Yankees. Four innings, now only two runs on four hits, but three strikeouts and five walks in those four innings. Orioles should be able to jump all over Hernandez on Friday night. Then on Saturday, it's another 7.05 p.m. Eastern time game as Tyler Wells takes the hill for his sixth career start with the Orioles. 27-year-old righty has a 4.50 ERA on the season, 14 Ks in 18 innings. Coming off, you know, looking, looking good, honestly. In his last start against Minnesota earlier this week, five innings, one run, four hits, four Ks, and no walks. And he's been efficient his last two starts. You know, Brandon Hyde said he's not going to go any deeper than five innings this year in a start. Well, he's gone five innings in each of his last two starts, so we'll see if Wells can do that again on Saturday night. He will oppose the 25-year-old left-hander Daniel Lynch, who's making his fifth start. Four starts in, Lynch has a 3.86 ERA, 20 Ks in 21 innings. His last time out against the Yankees, five innings, three runs, four hits, four Ks, and a walk. But two starts ago for Lynch, 
He looked dominant against the Chicago White Sox. Six scoreless innings, two hits allowed, and seven strikeouts. Lynch had a really rough start to his major league career late in 2021, but he's got some good stuff, and he's starting to put it together here so far in 2022. And then to finish off the weekend on Sunday, what a matchup it is for Mother's Day at Camden Yards. A 1.35 p.m. Eastern time start on Sunday. Bruce Zimmerman takes the hill for the Orioles. Their ace, the lefty, making his sixth start, has a 2.59 ERA with 25 Ks and 24 and a third innings through five stars. Now, you may be wondering, Connor, after Bruce's start this week, you talked about how he has a 1.48 ERA. Well, he did until official scorers went back to his start a couple Thursdays ago at Yankee Stadium where he was hit with four runs, but all of them were at that point unearned. Well, they changed it and made two of those runs earned to Bruce Zimmerman, which hiked his ERA up to 2.59. They took away some errors from Kelvin Gutierrez, but he's still been good. His last time out, five innings, two runs, four hits, four Ks, and two walks against the Twins. And he will go up against Zach Greinke, who is still out there doing it, back with the Kansas City Royals at age 38. And listen, Greinke is having one of the weirder starts to a season you will ever see. He's made five starts. He's got a 2.57 ERA. But in 28 innings, Zach Greinke has only seven strikeouts. He has decided that he's not going to strike anybody out, but he's also not going to walk anybody. And he's just letting other teams put the ball in play. And he's getting soft contact, and it's working so far. It's shown by his last start in St. Louis. Six innings, one run on three hits, one strikeout, and no walk. Should be very interesting to see Granke, who's not striking anybody out, against an Oriole lineup that has struck out a lot so far this season. And then I'll be back with you here on the pod on Monday, breaking down the weekend series between the Orioles and the Royals, getting you the three big takeaways from the weekend. And then we'll be off into the pod next week. We'll take a closer look at the Bowie Bay Sox next week. We will uh, dive in a little deeper on when Adley Rutschman, D.L. Hall, and Grayson Rodriguez could be coming to the big leagues, especially Adley, who's progressing further and further on his rehab assignment. We'll take a look at Logan Allen and see if he sticks around with the Orioles and talking roster moves as well. But uh, if you want some weekend reading, uh, check out the story about how Logan Allen is connected and friends with John Cena. That's your homework for the weekend. But we'll be back with you here on the pod on Monday. Until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.